Shit Platypus Says, episode 52. Hello and welcome to another episode of Shit Platypus Says, the commentary on the commentary on the left. This is Pamela Nogales. I am one of your co-hosts. In a special holiday edition, SPS brings to you reports from protests from around the world. In the first half, our members in the West Coast interview the academic workers at the strike across the University of California. The strike brought together 48,000 teaching assistants, researchers, tutors, and other graduate student instructors across the nine campus system. Our members on the ground both at LA and Santa Barbara, asked the striking workers about their participation and their views on the relationship between this particular labor struggle and the long-term vision for the left. In the second half of the podcast, we continue with some reports from protests, but this time from across the pond. Our members, Marius, Lisa, and Andreas, went to several university occupations by end fossil Occupy in both Germany and Austria. End Fossil Occupy is a climate justice movement with the goal of putting an end to the fossil fuel economy. Students occupied lecture halls in different cities for several weeks to draw attention to their demands and to initiate negotiations with their respective university administrations. Like the first segment, we've included some shotgun interviews of these occupations and some reflections by our co-host, Lisa. Okay, lots of interviews up ahead. And a happy new year to all of our listeners out there. Goodbye, 2022. Goodbye, rut. Hello, 2023. Hello, Hey y'all, my name is Jack Mehta. I'm a member of the Platypus Affiliated Society here in Los Angeles. The remit of our organization is to understand the left, and for many leftists, the relationship between the left and the labor movement is more or less identical. We think that that relationship has maybe in fact disintegrated, in that it's a relationship that is informed by the history of the left, in which you had mass socialist parties working directly with trade unions and building socialism. That relationship no longer exists because the mass parties and the mass movement is gone. And though the labor movement continues to truck along because people demand higher wages, that does not appear connected to the task of socialism. We wanted to see how people who were actually currently organizing in the labor movement uh, might understand that relationship. And so to that end, we went and we interviewed students, graduate students, and postdoctoral students at the University of California, Los Angeles, and the University of California, Santa Barbara, who are currently on strike and have been for the past five weeks. Uh, This is the largest academic workers' strike in the history of the United States, and these workers are demanding higher wages, increased benefits, and a cost of living adjustment. They have gotten the first two things in the contract that has now been offered to them, They have not yet gotten a COLA, which is particularly critical for people in areas where the rent is extremely high, extremely expensive, like 
in LA, Santa Barbara, Berkeley, San Francisco, and Santa Cruz. All that being said, we asked people very straightforwardly why they were on the line and also how they felt that this action might connect to a broader social movement or a broader left politics. You'll hear in the forthcoming interviews people saying things like, the left is labor, if you want to be reductive. You'll have people saying, well, I don't know if we can really call labor leftist, in that a lot of the people I talk to on the line are more conservative than I am and want different things than I do. And then you'll also hear people say, I don't even know what you mean by the left. Is that not just a set of ideas? What would a left politics even be? All of that taken together as a constellation seems to pretty clearly indicate that there is no left-wing political leadership in this action, and really none in any action. Um, but this is, you know, just a good example of that. As always, we hope we're wrong. We hope this builds the movement for socialism, but we're trying to be realistic. Take a listen. Tell us what you think. Here you go. Okay, so if you could uh, just state your name and then also uh, what organization you're a part of. My name is Nick Geyser. I'm a PhD candidate in physics and astronomy at UCLA. And I use he and pronouns. And I'm also a member of the researchers bargaining team for Student Researchers United, uh, one of the three uh, UAW unions uh, in negotiations with the University of California. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Uh, I'm on the picket line because our collective power is how we win. We demonstrate our withheld labor by coming out to the picket line together and disrupting the normal functions of the university. And uh, together we're stronger. It's also a lot of fun. And I'm here because uh, we deserve a better wage and the protections that we're negotiating over. Uh, what is the role of the left in this strike? And what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? Yeah, so I'm actually going to take a huge point of optimism here and look to the far future. Six months ago, I don't think anyone would have told me that scientists, postdoctoral scholars, and other researchers were going to have the largest strike in the U.S. Not only that, but the largest strike in the history of academic unionization in this country. And now we've proved that it's possible. Uh, this strike has been a radicalizing event, a movement to the left for basically every single person who's participated in it. And from now on, no one can actually say to me that scientists, that researchers are conservative. Because we've proved that they're not. We've proved that they're not only not conservative, but that they're willing to take collective action and act in labor solidarity with each other as members of an organized left. Ali Kara, I'm a member of UAW 5810 at the University of California, Los Angeles. Could you just, in your own words, describe why you're here on the picket line today, like what you're striking for? I'm here fighting for a fair contract. Uh, the University of California has engaged in unlawful bargaining practices and delayed us from getting a fair contract, um, both as postdoctoral researchers, academic researchers, uh, graduate students, and TAs. For at least postdocs and ARs, it's been you know over a year and a half of bargaining. We've uh, finally reached a tentative agreement, but we're not willing to leave the line until grad students get a fair contract as well. Okay. Do you see this action having a role in like a broader social movement? Is there a potential for transforming society here? Would you say? I really hope that this changes the structure of academia. Like we really need to fight to win a fair and equitable workplace. You know, there's a lot of systemic problems in academia that. You know, they push people out. I feel like I'm being pushed out because I can't afford to live here in Los Angeles to do a postdoc. And, you know, I have more privilege than a lot of other people. You know, a lot of you know, parents are struggling 
people who don't have a financial safety net are struggling and they can't afford to do the research. They can't afford to focus on what they need to because they're distracted by you know the cost of living. Something needs to give, something needs to change. We can't keep paying our chancellors and our presidents and upper admin these outrageous salaries while the people that are actually conducting work at universities can't make ends meet. Uh, Cooper Rebeck Lynn, UAW 2865. I'm here on the picket line uh, because the university has been consistently dodging us. They've, they've committed a, a number of unfair labor practices that uh, have kept us from the bargaining table and making meaningful progress on things like wages, uh, health care, equity for international scholars, transit justice, and a host of other issues. What do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? The level of solidarity we've we've gotten, we've received from organizations like the Teamsters, uh, from uh, the various locals like Local 300, the carpenters, the electricians, has been really amazing. I mean, it, I think that it's it's really showing that the the left still understands what solidarity means, and that we can we can still pull it out. I also think that it's important for the left generally, but it's also important for academia. Uh, this is a moment where it, it feels like there's a lot of actions like this happening. There are a lot of unions, Columbia, Harvard. There's this class consciousness that's building in, among academic workers. Um, we're understanding ourselves as members of the working class in a way that we maybe didn't pr previously. My name is Enrique Olivares Pesante. I'm a fourth year English uh, student at the English department. Uh, as a PhD here at UCLA. Uh, I'm also a head steward at our local workers union, UAW2865, which represents all TAs, tutors, readers, and graders uh, in the UC system. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? We've been negotiating for a new contract for a couple of months now with the UC. And the UC has continuously kind of wringed their hand, not been transparent, denied access to information, and has committed a series of unfair labor practice violations such as, you know, withholding pay for students, not providing information in a timely manner. And we went after uh, last month, 36,000 workers in the youth system ratified a strike authorization vote. Uh, and we've gone into a legally sanctioned unfair labor practice strike because this kind of aggression from the university cannot stand. And hopefully the purpose of this strike is to disrupt and agitate the UC system so they can finally come to the negotiations. Okay, and then could you talk a little bit about the action yesterday? Yeah, for sure. So we've been holding daily rallies, right, in which, you know, because what, what is a picket if not a visible organization of workers that is broad and disruptive, right? So our particular action last uh, yesterday, we had a rally that started at Murphy Hall as a way of kind of a deflection because, like, our original plan was occupy the Luskins Convention Center, which it's like one of the fanciest places in university that takes up a lot of the funding. It's kind of like public facing for like the richer, snootier crowd, you know. So it's really kind of like the most egregious example of the way you, the UC wastes money. So in this action when we were rallying, uh, a contingent of us workers just bum rushed and occupied the building and we occupied it until like almost midnight last night. I think it was really beautiful because we were not wanting to physically escalate. We just wanted to have an embodied presence in that space to let workers know that, you know, while everybody's, you know, having their champagne, eating their caviar, you know, we, like most of us there have never stepped in. 
Like that was the first time I stepped in into the. I've been four years in UCLA. This is the first time I stepped in the convention center. It made me fucking sick, you know. Like it had art, like art that costs more than what I make in a year, you know. Um, and I think it was like a very beautiful moment that a lot of workers were like, man. And then they say they can't. The UC doesn't have money to pay its workers. It's not that it doesn't have money. It's just it doesn't want to pay us the money. It's a multi-billion dollar institution. It's the number one public university in the world. Then why are we in these living conditions? And I think that action was so meaningful because it was disruptive to that kind of echelon that feels very safe and very kind of disconnected. Um, in the way that we escalate, it's no longer just, at this point, just doing pickets. It's like targeting people, targeting the regions, and I don't think targeting in a violent way, just like confronting them, you know. What is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? I'd say that there's two kinds of workers in the union, you know. I came in as, you know, I have left-leaning politics, I identify as a Marxist. I was already organized, you know. I didn't need anybody to talk to me about a union. Um, I do think that the real power comes from the rank-and-file workers who are coming into a consciousness, but not from an ideological point, from a material conditions point of view, that it's like, I can't live like this. So I think that there's like a very beautiful moment that we're connecting with a lot of leftist or left-leaning, like ideological organizations. But then there's like what I say, like true proletariat coming of consciousness from more than like the intellectual labor section. My name is Juan Pablo Gatica, but I go by JP, and I am with the UAW of Academic Workers, and yeah, I'm in the Physics and Astronomy Department at UCLA. I'm Peyton Benick. I am also in the Physics and Astronomy Department, and I am also a UAW member as a student researcher and an academic student employee. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Yeah, I think to me it's a lot about like just common sense things that like talking to just grads in my first few years of grad school here, it's... Wages are the obvious common sense issue that like we shouldn't be paying 60 or 70 or 80 percent of our paycheck to rent, especially not in a complex that the university owns and is they're setting our wages, they're setting the rent. How does that make any sense? Um, But then, especially as I've gotten more involved, seeing the broader struggles, especially childcare, and our union includes like postdocs and academic researchers as well. And there's a lot of brilliant scientists and other researchers who've gotten pushed out because like the co- their wages are literally less than the childcare cost. And it just doesn't make sense to make $3,000 a month and spend 3100 on daycare, you know? There's a lot of important things we're pushing for in this contract bigger than just wages too, like childcare, better protections against bullying and, har- and harassment. That it's really trying to like, add levels of protection to show like what we can do with our collective power and things that are like I think when people think oh a union a strike like wages maybe time off are like the quote-unquote obvious right but like for academic workers there's a lot of like different things we can try to win that I think would benefit not just us but set a model for like other universities as like more and more academic workers realize their power. What is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? Well, I think for the most part, I think a lot of us uh, tend to lean more left, especially in the United States, uh, who are participating in this uh, strike in general. I think having just a sort of the, the philosophy that, you know, we should all be treated equally, <laughs> and we should all sort of have, have equal, at least equal opportunity and uh, to participate in our work or to succeed in our work, 
and as well as um, equitable sort of environment. Um, I think those sort of those sort of uh, philosophies that come from the left are definitely at play here. Uh, I think, in general, the left should just help the labor movement. It should definitely strengthen the labor movement, and I think that's part of the contract as well. We've We've uh, had not only strong protections for just workers in general, but we also have strong protections for the union as well. So we've guaranteed that when people on board into UC or into the UC system, they're talked about the union, they get a union orientation, and we and the union gets uh, their you know email and contact information, so they can contact them to sign cards. And, and uh, I think then in that way we keep our numbers up, we grow this labor, we grow this labor movement and also in just an academic labor, especially. Okay. My name is Annie Viloria Wunet. I am a graduate student at UCLA and I'm part of the student strike. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Because I believe we could do better for the workers across the UC system. And I believe that we have come to the table in good faith, bargaining for what I think are just sustainable conditions for workers to do their work well. And I think it's about time that we call UC out for their inability to bargain in good faith. What is the role of the left in this strike? And what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? You know, I think that the lessons of the left historically have informed our struggle as workers. And I think that where we stand today is in a place where we can envision better futures that are equitable for all. And I think at this very specific point, 2022, after having gone through a pandemic, most recently the layoffs and all the worker agitation in the U.S. in particular. Um, I think we have learned that our collective power is the only way forward. And I think that building the infrastructure as student workers of the UC system is helping inspire all our campus and for all our student workers to also realize that their place in history is building collective power and building solidarity. And I think those lessons are nothing that we came up with, something that came from the left historically, and something that we hope to inherit to future generations of student activists and student workers across the U.S. Um, all right. So my name is Taylor Clark. I am an at-large member of YDSA's National Coordinating Committee, and I'm also a field organizer for Student Researchers United. I'm here primarily, I suppose, to rebuild the labor movement, which historically has been how workers have won the best deal for themselves and how we build a more democratic economy. I view the grassland struggle for a living wage as indicative of the larger working class struggle in America uh, for both a democratic economy and fair standards of living, to say the least. A few years ago, I was involved with the Bernie campaign. Um, and after that, I also I study labor history and so I was talking to union people for a while and I got sort of accrued to apply for this job. Um, so I've been organizing with SRU for a couple of years now through our fight for recognition and now into our contract campaign culminating in this strike. What is the role of the left in the strike and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? At least speaking from YDSA and that part of the left I'm most familiar with on campus has been doing our best to move workers to take collective action around concrete material struggles in the workplace. Outside of, you know, obviously I'm on staff with our union, but YDSA has been helping organize a lot of the rallies that have went on on campus, spe specifically the uh, rally on the Monday of the Soto strike and another rally 
uh, two weeks later on another Monday, moving workers to, you know, in so many words, stand up for <laughs> fair contracts in the short term, but then building the labor movement in the long term. Yeah, I think what I'm most hoping for from this strike, for the left more broadly, is to sort of reinvigorate the labor movement. It's the largest strike of academic workers in U.S. history. And of course, that's obviously extremely important. Um, and the struggle of grad students is kind of a titanic one since they're so exploited by the UC. But the hope for the broader left is really that other workers see this and begin to follow that example for themselves, kind of hoping that a strong win here will help it invigorate fights, fights at UPS and Amazon and Starbucks, as well as uh, the big three auto plants, which have contracts that are running out next year. So for the left, more broadly, I'm hoping that a strong one here will serve as like a beacon that will uh, inspire other workers to organize to take collective action in their workplaces. My name's Joe uh, Costello. I'm part of UAW with the specifically the Student Researchers United. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Yeah, um, I'm here on the picket line um, because uh, the material conditions of the grad students have uh, never been great, but have been getting worse and worse. Um, and so it's becoming a problem where it's really just sort of unaffordable and uh, somewhat miserable to be a graduate student. And I think that's unjust. Uh, and so I'm here to fight for a better future for all you know, graduate students at the UC, which is a huge institution. Uh, and the UC is sort of refusing to bar bargain with us in good faith or address our concerns. And so this is the only power we have. What is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? If you're going to be overly reductionist about it, the left is labor, right? I mean, they're, they're, there's, like, the cause of the left and the cause of labor are difficult to disentangle. And um, by participating and in, in aiding in this strike, you know, this not only helps, you know, the material conditions of graduate students, but it also helps uh, with future organizational efforts. We've seen there's a huge difference between unionized and non-unionized workforces and what they can do to support a strike. So, for example, uh, we've been trying to disrupt deliveries into campus, and so UPS has Teamster um, unionized drivers. They'll just turn around. Um, FedEx and other uh, companies do not have unionized drivers, and so there's nothing sort of we can do. Helping build strong unions can help build the future's strong unions, and, and these are organizations which are going to be the lifeblood of the left, uh, for this, at least for the foreseeable future in this country. My name is Becky Martin. I use they, them pronouns. I am a third year in the electrical and computer engineering department here at UCSB. I am a TA for the electrical engineering department, and uh, I am a strike captain uh, at the UCSB UAW picket. Uh, why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Primarily, I'm here on the picket line because the poverty uh, that is rampant amongst grad students is abhorrent and undemocratic. At this point in time, graduate students, TAs, researchers are expected to be uh, severely rent burdened in order to be a graduate student, which makes education very inaccessible for for, for people more generally, and that really limits who can be uh, pursuing this higher level of education. Uh, what is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? So I, as someone who is uh, definitely in the left, but has up until this year generally been more of like an observer, a consumer of leftist podcast products, YouTube videos, uh, video essays, I think the left needs to really start going full face into more actions such as these. I think it's very easy as a young white 
reasonably well off leftist to be just like, yeah, I believe in socialism and then just keep going for your nine to five job. Um, but I think really getting engaged in your community and developing actions such as these is what uh, people in these leftist spaces need to start working on. From my, my opinion, my, my hot take. So I'm Micah, um, and I'm with uh, UAW 2865, and I suppose I'm a member of SRU as well. Um, so those are the labor unions representing TAs, tutors, and readers, and then student researchers at the University of California. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Because this is where the fight is. I was out back when the coal movement was happening in early 2020 for us, uh, although it started earlier in SC. And I see that this is sort of a continuation of that and as a, a place to sort of make another uh, attempt at changing the, you know, the University of California, how, how the public education works. You know, we can dream as, as big as we can, but uh, there's a fight here, and so here I am. What is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? I think we should be viewing this as, um, you know, not the, the only place, um, certainly, but like a place that is connected to both labor coming back into a much stronger force um, for a vision of, you know, public education uh, that's, you know, actually public. Um, and it's just sort of a, a, a way to feel like a direct kind of militancy, you know, a, a, a politics of, of action, I guess. Uh, rather than you know these sort of indirect things, and I think all of that comes together very clearly in a strike. Uh, my name is Jeremy. I'm a part of the Internationals Club here at UCLA. Right. Why are you here on the picket line for this strike? Because I want to support my TAs, and I think that the academic workers here at UCLA should be paid uh, for the work that they do. Fairly, I guess you would say. What is the role of the left in this strike, and what do you think the left can or should achieve with the strike? Um, I feel like we should, you know, stand in solidarity with the workers here, and more broadly, I guess, try to organize kind of broader solidarity across unions in the you know local LA area and on a broader scale across California since this is a multi-campus um, ordeal or not. Platypus has recently taken up the issue of labor and the left in the Occupied New School panel just a couple of weeks back. We are including that link of the recording in the episode description. This conversation was hosted in the immediate wake of the 2022 strike at the New School for Social Research in New York. If you are curious to learn more about the Platypus Affiliated Society, you can visit us at platypus1917.org. And if you would like to connect to a chapter of Platypus in your area, email us at platypusvirtual at gmail.com. That's the word platypus followed by the word virtual at gmail.com.
Hi, this is Lisa. I'm one of your co-hosts of the Ship Platypuses podcast. We are doing a little geographical stretch from California to Europe. In our last episodes, we visited some protests of the cost of living crisis. Most of the demands were at the time of protest already discussed in Parliament. Now they seem to be fulfilled. Germany's government approved a draft law to cap the price of electricity and gas as was demanded, for example, by the Enough is Enough campaign. Already Nixon and Mao agreed that what the left proposes, the right pushes through. But listening to Jack's interviews and the coming ones of the following segment, I would pose the question, do we need a better left to get a better right? Is this the concept of the left? The role and concept of the left was questioned in the UC protest interviews and will come up in the following segment. Listening to the two segments of this episode, two quotes came to mind that I want to share with you. The first is from Chris Catrone back in 2014 from our The Concept of the Left and Right panel. One of the reasons why Platypus says, the left is dead, long live the left, is that the concept of freedom and therefore the concept of the left itself has given way rather to concerns with social justice. Social justice can't be about freedom because justice is about restoring the status quo ante, not advancing further possibilities. While we might say there can be no freedom without justice, we can say that there can be justice without freedom. When the evolved left concerns itself not with freedom, but with justice, it ceases to be a left. That's because pursuing a politics of justice would stand on different justifications than pursuing a politics of freedom. In the name of justice, crimes against freedom can be committed. The other quote is from GM Tamas telling the truth about class and it goes... It is emotionally and intellectually difficult to be a Marxist since it goes against the grain of moral indignation, which is of course the main reason people become socialists. The last week's street protests found their final end here in Germany and several university occupations initiated by and fossil occupy started all around the German-speaking area. We went out there to see what people's motives, hopes and aims were, to check the status of the ideas that define the present left. So, Marius interviewed leftists at the occupation in Berlin, I did an interview at the University Leipzig and Andreas went to the final protest after the eviction of the occupation of the university in Vienna. We catched some protest speeches and shouts for you. One song will thematize that the climate movement should become intersectional and a speech will link current university occupations to those back in the 2000s. So, please enjoy the next segment. Here we go and Merry Christmas, everyone. My name is Marius, I'm from the Platypus Affiliate Society and I'm here at the occupation to interview some of the organizer groups or supporter group for the Sheet Platypus Says podcast to give our international audience a sense of what is going on in Europe, especially here in Germany. 
The occupation is named End Fossil Occupy. I want to know what people's hopes and aims are. My name is Georg Ismail and I'm a member of Gruppe Arbeiterinnenmacht. We are part of an international organization called Fifth International League for the Fifth International. What is the more general aim of Gruppe Arbeiterinnenmacht and the Fifth International? And how does the participation in the occupation help to achieve this aim? I think fairness-wise, I should refer a little bit to what you said in the introduction. I guess it is disputed if we are a supporting organization or an organizer of the event, but certainly we support it from our perspective. Uh, we uh, are not one of the initiating groups. We didn't start Enfossil, uh, but once it became known to us uh, that there would be occupations here in Berlin, uh, we, ver we very quickly joined also one of the first preparatory meetings, and we have been part of the occupation here from the start and the reason why we do that is because we do think it is very important for the student movement for the youth movement in Germany to make experiences again of occupation of struggle We've, I, I come from uh, originally from a youth organization called Revolution which was grown and was growing out of the education movement in the 2000s and we always had the idea that of course not every student or school student is a worker but a lot of them will become workers at some point. And it is good if um, courage is built up, the knowledge is built up. Yes, we can strike. Yes, we can occupy. And through these strikes and occupations also opportunities arise to discuss what are we actually occupying for? What are we striking for? Are we only doing that for immediate goals? What should these immediate goals be like? How do we struggle for them? These kinds of, if you want so tools of daily struggle are important for people to learn, also for students, school students. But for us, this connects to the question of um, how do we overcome capitalism, how do we achieve another society, which for us is socialism, and uh, for that, actually winning broader social forces in Germany for us, that would be the working class, is very crucial. So we are not just here to make experiences together with the university students, but also to convince those who want really radical change to join us, uh, to go to the factories, uh, to go to the, the laboring class, to their organizations and have the debates that we are having here together with the working class. The next question would be, um, I think you, you put it also in, in your, the first question, what's the long-term goal or the purpose of, of the Gruppe Arbeiterin Macht? But if you want to add something... Yeah, I think it makes sense to add something briefly uh, because socialism is this broad word, right, which uh, a lot of people understand different things of. Uh, for us, that means a society free of classes, um, a society really free of states, of state oppression, of some humans having more power than others. It also means democracy, not formally only in the realm of politics and the realm to which only a few people have access and very often those with political capital, but everyone. But that can only really achieved if there is also democracy in the economy, right? If people decide together, how do we produce to what ends of consumption? And that connects very closely to the ecological question because we produce today not for the needs of people and according to what the planet can give, but we produce to the needs of how profit can be made through the production of goods, of, of commodities. And, and we really want to overcome that so for us there is also that's why I said socialism and I was talking about the working class because for us there is actually no contradiction between the climate movement 
and socialism or the climate movement and the workers' movement. It is actually one thing in our understanding, uh, but that understanding, I think, also has to be communicated and other people have to be one for that strategy. And now more local question. Um, what does the Gruppe Arbeiterinnen Macht aim at with the occupation? And why are you kind of um, participating in this occupation? Well, first of all, I think one has to uh, acknowledge that uh, currently the climate movement is making some steps forwards, especially if we consider where it... I mean, it didn't start in 2018, but as a mass movement of, of youth, it started in 2018 with Fridays for Future, right? You had a movement that made appellations to the state and said, listen to science, uh, we are here to kind of inform you about the climate crisis. Right? That's where it started. And that had a lot of illusions included as well. Now we are actually discussing with more people in the direction of there is a divide between the global north or the global south. We would call it imperialism or semi colonies, but there is some differences in the understanding. Some analytical depth, I would say, is missing in one of these two descriptions. There is also a question of class or there is a working class that's in production. If we really want to change the system, if we want the system change, we have to reach those who are in production, not just the individual consumer. Uh, so these kinds of questions are coming up. They're also discussed here. But I think the movement right now where it stands doesn't either have the social base nor the ideas, ideologies, nor the full tactical set, if you want. So how to uh, reach that goal that I was talking about, which I think really is necessary if we want to sustain the planet and live in a world without exploitation. But you have to be there and discuss, if you want so, your revolutionary program without putting it as an ultimatum. So we hear, uh, as I said earlier, also in the debate, our group was banned from showing its symbol. A lot of other groups, I think, would have left. Uh, we said, well, as long as we can be here and discuss our idea ideas with you and can make experiences with you together and you can actually see that we are a force, force in the movement that has something to contribute, both in terms of ideas and as a tool for struggle, We're fine with that. And, and that's basically also why we are here. Uh, the problem in Germany right now is not that we are having too much university occupations, but we're having too few. People don't have the experience how to do that. And you can see that also in the preparations of it. I come from a generation of the 2000s, but I started very early as a, as a 13, 14-year-old school student. There is almost no one around who actually has social connections to school students or students today. Who knows about how an occupation works, right? So it's important also that these experiences are made and they're full of all kinds of mistakes and two ultra-left ideas, a bit too clandestine. Other things could have been done. But yeah, so it's important to make these experiences together. My name is Lea and I'm the spokesperson, or one of the spokespersons from Enfastel Occupy Berlin. Uh, I'm Sebastian, I'm currently enrolled at the Technical University of Berlin and I'm also one of the spokespersons for Enfastel Occupy. Yeah, what is the more general aim of Enfastel Occupy and how does participating in the occupation help to achieve this aim? The general 
aim of Entwassel Occupy is to break normalcy in the everyday lives of students and bring the climate catastrophe we're all facing to the daily lives of the students. So we can all like really feel the uh, impact it has on our future and going through our everyday routines. So we do know that this thing isn't just something we have to particularly care for at like one event, but that this is that it's a steady issue that faces us every day. Um, most of us have the climate issue always in the back of our head, but when it comes to really being aware of it, what consequences it has on our specific future, even in the global north where we are very privileged, I don't think we actually have a grasp of the idea, and that's why we need to break this made-up normalcy that we have right now and disrupt it with one of our actions with strikes and that's what we're doing trying to show how urgent the situation is what would be the long-term goal or the purpose of um, end fossil occupy i mean end end goal great <laughs> climate justice yeah. but um short we shape the way we learn about climate justice we want there to be um a part that every student has to take, um, no matter what subject they're studying. So the climate justice is a really complicated subject with lots of yeah, possibilities to make it intersectional, and it can be an intersectional subject with every topic that is taught, and that's why it has to be taught to every student, because it will be a part of a future, it will be a part of a work life, it will be a part of science, And that's how we have to learn about it now. Particularly at the Technical University of Berlin, where like it's one of the major institutions in Germany that uh, is teaching people from biochemic in biochemics and engineering and uh, informatics. It's like these uh, fields of study are like majorly can majorly influence the way we can stop or like at least slow down the catastrophe we're facing and this university is not doing enough to particularly show these students how they can actually influence the future in a positive way. And one last question. Uh, what does um, and Fossil Occupy aim at with the occupation? First of all, um, there's a university um, alliance in Berlin. It's called B. UA and they have grand challenges and those are topics where they invest lots of money into science and uh, research and we want climate justice to be one of the main yeah, subject, subject that they are putting so much money in and investing in. That's one of our right. aims. The second one is to have climate justice integrated into every subject like we already said and the third is that we want fossil financiations of the university to be transparent for example um, there's the um, library in the near and there's in big letters Volkswagen library and we, so we know that this big corporation that has a huge impact on our climate is giving lots of money to this uni but we don't know where all the money goes Are their ties related to it? And what do they gain? And we want to make these money flows transparent so we know in which ways 
they are influencing the science of tomorrow. And why is Anforce Occupied organizing this occupation? In general, I think it's because we sort of um, looked at all the universities in Berlin in particular, and we saw that especially the technical university, despite its technical nature, is not as focused on climate change as it maybe should be. There's like some um, information regarding like climate um, organizing inside the university is very outdated, and you can't access lots uh, many parts of it. So we figured that this place definitely needed to like be more aware of the impact it could have, and that this place is also like one of the major universities in Berlin. So we reach a huge part of this body of the students here in Berlin. So we've just said, okay, let's take this room. We took one of the most uh, of the largest spaces here in the university to make a point, and we reached a huge amount of the student body here. So we figured uh, that, um, yeah, like, if we make an impact with our first occupation, it should be here. And maybe one of our successes already, um, while we were occupying this room, lots of people that already um, were part of occupations here came to us and congratulated us on actually having a conversation with the president of this university because in the past usually they were just you know forced out by the police and we actually have a conversation we have we discuss our objectives and I think we have an extremely big chance to actually achieve something with the university and make a positive impact yeah nice thank you My name, action name, actually, <laughs> might be Lars. So I'm organized at Enfoso. Previously, in September, before the last global strike, I started to be active in Fridays for Future, but they went, went into break, so I was kind of left with a lot of momentum, but nowhere really to put it, and Enfoso came into play, yeah. Perfect, so what brought you initially to the left? Why are you a leftist? Well, it comes more from a psychological, social thing, that with 16 years or something I thought, I am very privileged and I have lived a pretty good life and I've seen a lot of injustice like from school education or from what I learned in, for example, also religious contexts where people were telling about people being oppressed in different countries for various reasons. It's more like a psychological thing where I thought, how can I actually reach more equality in the world or fight for more justice. That's what initially brought me to the left and then also movements against the right in my hometown, which were very active during that time where I started to get politically active. So what would you say, what makes this event, this occupation, a left occupation? The protest form, first of all, is I guess pretty leftist because we try to be non-violent but still try to reach 
some kind of political pressure. And then also all the symbolism which we have, like if we have anarchist symbolism, things which are related to social justice, which climate justice obviously engulfs. And also the people which are here and which are well organizing these things are all in leftist contexts and leftist groups, as you would expect from a climate justice movement. <laughs> okay, so yeah. what you, you mentioned climate justice. Mm -hmm. What is the goal of NFOSSIL? What is the concept behind um, this group? And maybe you can say a few words what your understanding of climate justice is. I think the goal of NFOSSIL is like three things. First of all, we need more political pressure right now. Like we are at a point where strikes have ended. Like we had massive strikes and basically no political movement behind it. And we are at a point where these political movements become very, very thin, I'd say. Like the people who are actually organizing these protests are becoming less and less. So, and Fossil tries to mobilize more people while also building political pressure at the same time. This is more or less what we were doing. Um, on the climate justice part, I understand by this that we are basically fighting any kinds of social injustices. This can be gender inequality, this can be any kind of social injustice due to class struggles, this can be injustices due to your sexuality instead of gender. This is what I would take into climate justice. And these are all very relevant. What is the long-term goal for Enforcer? Yeah, well, the long-term goal of any climate justice movement is climate justice. Is a, for us, is a system change. Mm -hmm. That we cannot keep on being in this system, but that we are going to have a transition into a system which allows us to be climate just, which allows us to keep our planetary borders while also securing well, a good life for everyone without any discrimination or injustice. Yeah. I've seen a poster where it's written down that um, you want to overcome fossil capitalism. So maybe you can elaborate a little bit on that, what it means and how this does relate to climate justice. The route which we see in, in most of our problems is the fossil fuel industry, which is very, which we basically call fossil capitalism. So fossil fuel industry is, so to say, mainly the largest 100 corporations which are responsible for 71% of greenhouse gas emissions and they have an incredibly large lobby power and an incredibly large power in our governmental processes. And this is what we see really critical and what we want to overcome. The long-term goal of this is obviously to also overcome the paradigm of capitalism, which is the infinite growth. So first we need to get the fossil fuel industry out of here, such that we can keep our planetary borders. But obviously these planetary borders can also only be kept if we go a step further and also get away from the growth paradigm or shift into some other economic system. Okay. Um, there are a lot of protests right now on all different fronts. So we have, for example, the Enough is Enough campaign and everywhere in Europe, especially 
protests according to um, the cost of living crisis or the energy crisis. So what would you say is the relation of this occupation and, and fossil as a group to the cost of living crisis in general? Mm -hmm. I mean, first of all, in our demands, we explicitly support enough is enough or genug is genug in Germany. And we also had discussions at the start of our occupation with representatives of that group and we also had like a, a speech of at one of our action days the week before where we announced the occupation. So enough is enough is kind of <laughs> like it's the organization we want to invite here to talk about the energy crisis. Like and fossil occupy itself also wants to be a place where other organizations can show what they are doing and what they are trying to reach. We might demand that we do not have profits with energy production, but we also support these groups which are actively fighting for this. And, yeah. Okay, so is there a collaboration? Is there um, a project of left unity? Or how would you, how would you see this? Well, that's, that's our dream. <laughs> I can't really say that it's actually happening right now. Okay. Like, we, we've been occupying since yesterday, and since then we had, like, a talk mm -hmm. from another leftist group. We had a talk today, we had a few other things which, which have been happening. But it's not like we have reached the big left unity, like you would say, sadly. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is... There is There is plans for later this week, which might come through, where we would have a general, how do you say, where everybody gets together basically in one big meeting for the evacuation of Lützerath, the town in Nordrhein-Westfalia. And this would be more or less one, more or less one big unite the left thing. But It's not like we could just do this on our own. There has been a few groups supportive, but we can't. We couldn't by now. <laughs> okay, so um, you mentioned that the form is something that makes this um, event to a left event. So mm -hmm. there have been there have been previous um, occupation projects by the left. For example, one one big event was um, the Occupy movement, Occupy Wall Street, Blockupy in Frankfurt. Do you relate to this history? Is this something that you got your inspiration from or is this, is, was it a spontaneous idea? Me personally, I'm not very well versed in both the occupation of Wall Street or uh, Blockupy in Frankfurt. But what I can say is that the Enfossen movement basically came out of more of a student-slash-school-occupy movement, which also has been happening mostly in more southern states or in South America. For example, there has been the Primavera Secundaria in 2016 in Brazil, where a lot of uh, universities have been occupied. Mm -hmm. and there has also been the Penguins Revolution, which we take reference to in Chile. But at least officially or from like the international movement, we do not take reference to Blockupy or Block Wall Street. But obviously every group 
phrases it differently and has a different narrative. So I wouldn't want to speak for everyone. What do you think, what are the tasks facing in the present crisis and what obstacles does the left face? I mean, I think the present crisis is a big crisis of everybody kind of knowing the problem, but nobody really knowing how to tackle the problem and everybody kind of trying to do their thing. Like various movements like the last generation or Extinction Rebellion, which have different action forms and which are trying to provoke political action. But nobody is really able to reach big political action. And I think this is where we are stuck right now. And I think in this line of thought also and fossil is kind of ending up because we are trying to like make a new form of protest which provokes political action and gets people into organizing. But in the end, we're just another protest, just another group which is split up and tries to do their thing to somehow change the political opinion, which, well, apparently doesn't really happening because we're still in the climate crisis. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I see a big split between the groups, and that's kind of mm -hmm. the problem. So does does um, and fossil occupy wants to be the political actor? Well, in in which sense political actor? So uh, in in form of left leadership. Oof. I mean, yeah, that would be the dream. That would be the dream. But apparently, I mean, right now I don't see that happening. I suppose. Because we we had a lot of occupations with a lot of actors, but sometimes it's still that some groups do not post solidarity or stand strong with what we are doing. And it's not like we could call ourselves this leading figure in any way right now at the point where we are at. Maybe that will change if we may occupy again or not, or occupy something else. What do Who you? Knows? Yeah. What? 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 What's needed? Hmm. I think what would be needed would really be more people being in organizations, more people organizing. We are facing in this present occupation where we are at is that a lot of people get burnt out after two days. <laughs> because we are not enough to organize all these things and be, av be available for both for press, for food, for organization of events, for uh, communication with the universities. It's a lot of things to carry and we're still two less people and we couldn't really like organize that many people to get into the structures. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe one last question. Um, so we are facing uh, the Christmas holidays very, very soon. So what are the plans for Christmas? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go home to my family and rest for like a week because this has been really stressful. But I guess I'm not going to be in this lecture hall over Christmas. Okay. Thank you so yeah. much. Hi, uh, why are you here? What is this protest about? Okay, so I'm here at the Erde Brent protest um, and the students have just left the, left the occupied uh, um, auditorium 
And yeah, I'm here to protest how uh, the university and in general Austrian politics have been um, handling the situations at the moment, all the crises that are rolling towards us and there's nothing really happening it seems. So what happened? What did the university do? Like, why, were you, why did you get kicked out of the university? Okay, so basically um, there wasn't much response by the university, but a week ago or a couple of days ago they turned off the heating. So basically the activists and people staying in the auditorium had to freeze. Uh, there was no real way of getting warm, especially because uh, I mean, getting heavy machinery to get warm was not very easy. Um, yeah, so that's why we decided to leave the building, and uh, but we, we don't want to go without uh, leaving a big statement at the end. So what did you uh, achieve with the protest? Well, obviously, looking back at the last couple of weeks, uh, it has still uh, it's still to be seen what we what the university will do with our uh, with what with what we want from them. But um, I think most of all, obviously, we raised awareness. We invited a lot of organizations to come and speak in the auditorium. I feel like, especially at the beginning, there was a great wave of understanding and solidarity and now obviously the other universities in Vienna and a couple of universities throughout Austria and Europe are still being occupied which is obviously a huge thing for us especially because um, yeah we feel like especially here in Austria uh, it came uh, we, we start, kicked off this protest and what did you not achieve well what did we not achieve um, especially on the um, yeah, well, con content content wise um, a lot of the things we wanted from the university have not been nodded off, I feel like. And um, obviously, politics and mainstream media are not really concerned with our protests, as they haven't been with most of the climate or left radical protests in the last couple of year months and maybe even years. Why do you think that is? Difficult to say. I feel like the people have been too comfortable the last months and years, and only now are starting to realize that... Um, yeah, difficult times lie ahead. And obviously we've said that with the COVID pandemic, but now is a, is a chance for left organizations and the left in general to stand up and face problems and mobilize more people who have been, well, fatally sleeping <laughs> right now. All right, thank you very much. Hi, so why are you here? What is this protest about? Yeah, mainly it's for me about uh, seeing my university and other universities going down because of the neoliberal agenda, um, yeah, which, which destroys free um, universities and free teaching. And of course, um, for me as a soci sociological student, um, yeah, that's a big problem. So, and how does this protest um, is connected to the occupation that happened like for the last month here in the University of Vienna? Well, um, this protest now is like the the end of our um, of our occupation, and yeah, we wanted to go one last time to the head of university and show that yeah, there are, there are many people. Um, who think the same like we do 
And yeah, there's stuff to do for um, our head of university, but also for um, for the politics, the politicians especially. So, what did you achieve with the protests? Well, I think we we kind of draw attention to university as a political place, because I think, in my opinion, many students don't really recognize this place as a as a political place and that you can change it. They're more like, yeah, just collect their bachelors and masters and don't really think about it. But um, as universities were, especially before the Bologna reforms, um, yeah, it was it was a place of uh, free teaching and there, wa there was more more connection between students and the teachers and the professors. Um, yeah, that, that's that's one thing. Also, um, yeah, that we invited, we invited some left organizations which could speak about important topics right now. For example, of uh, um, the the Turkish attack um, on Rojava. And yeah, actually, the head of university, uh, they they didn't do very much. They just offered us. Um, Yeah, that we can we can talk to them, but they they haven't presented real solutions yet for our problems. Yeah. So what did you not achieve? What did you fail to achieve? Well, I think the biggest problem was um, we we could have been more more people, because and maybe we could we could have. Um, um, got the gotten the main or the, the teachers uh, more involved in our protest. I think this would be um, would have would have been uh, could have been a big point of change right there. Yeah, and yeah, as I already said, we haven't achieved much on our local university of Vienna, which is of course kind of um, yeah sad. <laughs> Why do you think? Why do you think it was? It went like that. I think, yeah, the, the left in general is like like this a bit. There's, I mean, there are much protests, but none of them is really big because I think yeah, there's this kind of this kind of sad, sadness in all of the left because the the institutions they. They seem so um, strong and so unchangeable to us right now that yeah, many people, many people got much, they ain't got um, much hope to to change anything because yeah, as I said, the head of um, university he came to us and talked to us and was like like in politics. He said, yeah, your protest is is good and you you make good points, but. But he is, he he doesn't want to change anything, and he came with with us in the in this manner of um, patronizing, and yeah yeah we we know what to do, um, we work here we try our best, but yeah actually of course they don't <laughs> they're just opportunistic <laughs> art history <laughs> professors so yeah. All right. Any last word about the occupation? Well, for me, 
for me personally, it was a nice experience to to see um, our organization like this grow from from the grassroots. And yeah, I mean, we we had some nice moments on the first day of the occupation. Um, the auditorium was um, completely filled, and there was yeah, kind of a um, euphoric euphoric vibe in there. So maybe yeah. <laughs> when I have bad days, I remember the first day of the occupation. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much. Vor 13 Jahren haben das letzte Mal Studierende unter dem Namen Uni Brennt den damals größten öffentlich zugänglichen Hörsaal besetzt. Und jetzt haben wir unter dem Namen Erde Brennt den C1-Hörsaal im alten AKH für vier ganze Wochen besetzt. Der übrigens derzeit größte öffentlich zugängliche Hörsaal, das Audimax gerade umgebaut wird. Okay, hi guys. Hallo, hallo. Why are you here today? Yeah, because uh, we're celebrating uh, the long occupation of the University of Vienna. Okay, okay. In, in combination with our friends, also uh, our friendship circle is also united together here. And uh, yes, we celebrate uh, what Emil just said, the okay. occupation. So, what happened? I heard the occupation ended today. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think that is? Yeah, it's because like it's Christmas <laughs> and everybody's going home like it's only Germans here. <laughs> the Germans are left in Austria and uh, yeah, that's yes. why nobody can occupy it anymore. <laughs> okay, so what do you think has been achieved through the occupation? Yeah, I think more, more awareness for the political discourse about uh, education and how to uh, yeah, how to change education that uh, takes a better role in uh, the world, yeah. What do you think has not been achieved? Uh, a lot hasn't been achieved. For example, the uh, bicycle um, <laughs> workshop. Uh, I was I stood really strong for that one, but uh, it's still in the making, and I hope uh, that in the future uh, it will be there. Yeah, we will. I think we will occupy again. It's not like oh. that. Now we we finish, but it's not like we finished and we give up. It's more like uh, we take this as a good example how it can work, and we try. I think next year. Some more occupations, like to always uh, stay alert. So, and do you think that was a left occupation? What? A left occupation? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Why? I mean, the, the topics were quite left-winged. Um, I mean, there was a huge topic around like diversity and um, uh, gender topics and all this kind of stuff. And um, we were also like really. Um, it was really important for us to. Um, to separate from like right-winged uh, parties like the Burschenschaften. Um, yeah, that was really important for us, so... All right, thanks a lot. This has been a production of the Platypus Affiliated Society, featuring original tracks by Thomas Delagi. Platypus is an international membership-based organization that hosts reading groups, public fora, research and journalism focused on problems and tasks inherited from the old, new and post-political left for the possibilities of emancipatory politics today. Platypus also publishes articles by thinkers and activists on the left in the monthly publication The Platypus Review. 
To contact, learn more about Platypus, or to access the entire archive of Platypus reviews and panel recordings, please visit us online at platypus1917.org. That's the word platypus, followed by the numerals 1917.org. Bye.